Pat, I imagine you were there in Calgary, were you not? No, I was at a wedding uh, in BC, so I was not there. Come on, football, wedding. He's too popular, Jeff. Doing things with your Thursday nights. Sorry, I have a life. They've got the best record in the CFL, but where did the Bombers go from here? They're without Matt Nichols for at least a month. So now what? It's Chris Streveler time for the Bombers, but is Streveler going to get the job done? That leads us off as we welcome you to the Week 11 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Get yourself over to cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Set your lineups and your rosters for Week 11. You're playing for your Grey Cup package. You've got a unique championship ring, a trip for two to Calgary to the game later on this year, and, of course, two outstanding tickets to the game. It is your all-inclusive Grey Cup package that you're playing for in CFL Fantasy this year. This week, we're talking about Chris Streveler in Winnipeg. Additionally, a triumphant return to the backfield for Big Play VA in Montreal. The Lions continue to struggle. And touchdown Atlantic features in Week 11 as the CFL heads to the Atlantic part of the country. My name is Pat Steinberg here in Calgary, out east in Toronto. We've got Jeff Craver and Hannah Nordman. And Jeff, here comes Chris Streveler. A lot of Bombers fans have been clamoring for this for quite some time. Matt Nichols out at least four to six weeks with an injury he suffered on Thursday, uh, over the weekend rather. And now it's Chris Streveler time behind center for the Bombers. It's crazy. I, it, a lot of Bombers fans have been clamoring for this, you said. And yet, and yet I kind of believe it. It's, it's odd. All Matt Nichols has done is win football games. But one of the funny narratives I saw in all this when Nichols got hurt was people said, you know what? All this time, people have been complaining that Matt Nichols is a game manager. Matt Nichols can't get the job done. Uh, and yet now it's all doom and gloom for a lot of people when he gets hurt. You can't have it both ways, can you? You can. They're two different things. You can think that Matt Nichols isn't a great option, and you can think that the backup isn't an upgrade. So you're just saying none, you're just saying none of them are good then? You can, you can be double pessimistic mm. is what I'm saying. You right. can have it both ways if you want to be negative like that. I didn't understand the, the Nichols hate anyways because, like you said, all he's done is win football games. But there are people who can't be pleased and who will be disappointed whether he's in or out. Matt Nichols has not gone over 300 yards in a game this season. And dating back to the beginning of last year, 25 games, only one uh, with 300-plus yards, by my count, by my own math. So there are arguments on both sides of the coin because at the same time, Matt Nichols leads the CFL right now among starters in quarterback rating. Uh, Touchdown-interception ratio is 15-5. to He's been the best in the CFL in that regard. Uh, Yards per attempt, he's the highest in the league. And yeah, he throws a lot of short passes. But he's also among the league leaders in attempts of 20-plus yards. So, yes, Matt Nichols deserves a lot of credit for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' success this year. They have, they're tied for the best record in the CFL. They lead the West Division. And where they've left off with him, uh, they're one of the best teams in the league. I think it's right to be skeptical of this team without him behind center. Pat, what's, what's your take on all of this? Well, I am less worried about Matt Nichols going down. That's not a slight on Nichols. That's got nothing to do with what I think about Chris Streveler. I just don't think there's a team in the CFL where quarterback matters less than it does in Winnipeg. That offense will continue to run through Andrew Harris, whether it's Chris Streveler or Matt Nichols at quarterback. And and that's 
what Streveler needs to do is come in and be okay. What Streveler needs to do is not throw interceptions, not turn the ball over, and not be ineffective. If he can move the ball, if he can, if he even in short yardage situations, and if it's dinking and dunking over the middle, if he can, if he can keep the Bombers' offense on the field and give them some decent short yardage situations once in a while, this team's going to remain running through Andrew Harris offensively. So when you've got a weapon like Harris and you use him the way the Bombers do, an injury at quarterback to a guy who's been a game manager anyway and Matt Nichols becomes a whole lot less devastating. I know that Streveler and Nichols are different quarterbacks. Streveler's got significantly less experience, and they go about their business a little bit differently. But when you've got a guy like Harris and he takes as much of the load as he does, then you can get by when you have an injury to Nichols. So that's that's where I am. I'm I'm not looking at Streveler as a huge fantasy option. I'm not looking at Winnipeg having a massive drop-off because they've lost Nichols. I still think this is one of the better teams in the CFL, and a big reason for that is because they've got the most versatile player in the league in Andrew Harris running out of the backfield. You talked about if, if Chris Streveler can sustain drives and keep the offense on the field and, and keep pressure off that defense, and yeah, that's a big if because... That's a skill, and we call, we shrug our shoulders, we call Matt Nichols a game manager, um, but that's a skill in and of itself, and that's one thing that Matt Nichols did really well. He sustained drives, and he kept that Winnipeg offense on the field, and for Streveler to do that, it's not just about running around out there and getting the odd first down, it's about completing passes consistently, and when defenses start to key in on stopping Chris Streveler from moving the chains with his legs, uh, and keying in more on Andrew Harris now, uh, it's about finding other ways to pick up first down. So I'm going to be really interested to see how Chris Streveler can do that. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, tough matchup. He's got the Edmonton Eskimos this week. Um, we talked about them in the past. They haven't been the best fantasy defense this year, but on the field, CFL, they lead the ranks in almost everything as far as top defensive statistics uh, in the most important categories. Uh, any consideration given to starting Chris Trevler this week from either of you? Not this week. Definitely not this week. But going forward, I am thinking about Strevler as a starting option. In his three games that he started last year, he was up in the 20-25 the point range. He gets a serviceable amount of points through the air, 10, 15, 18 and then he'll add another double-digit amount on his feet. He might run in one or two touchdowns per game. I think he's a serviceable fantasy option, but not this week. Yeah, I'm going to watch to see what he does against a very good Edmonton defense and knowing that Streveler is going to be the guy for the next month plus here. And there are some who think that Matt Nichols' injury might be more serious than just six weeks. So you know, we'll see how long Streveler is the guy for. I want to see what he does against a really good Edmonton team and what we see from him. This is going to start an evaluation. I'm certainly not giving much consideration, if any at all, to having him in this week. Going forward, yeah. I mean, he's he's got athletic ability. He's a guy that you know can potentially get you points if and when they're in the red zone because he does have the ability to be dynamic on short yardage plays himself with his feet and his speed. But, yeah, for this week – not really all that interested going forward is a far greater wait and see option. But with some of the other low cost options that you've got at quarterback right now, Strebler's going to have to be pretty good if he's going to start to work his way into starting lineups for a lot of people playing this game. I get the feeling we're talking about a pretty polarizing prospect here because 
This isn't a case where everyone you talk to says, ah, he's a can't-miss guy. And even at the Argos game, uh, chatting with some people, there was a pretty wide range of opinions that I got when I, when I brought the topic up. Um, you know, from, yeah, he's, he's going to be really good. He, he might take Matt Nichols' job down the road to, I think he's really overrated and he hasn't shown that he can throw the ball accurately, uh, consistently enough to have a future in this league. Uh, ask Marshall Ferguson. He's got the scouting report because he, he, he is really high on Chris Trevler. Uh, but taking, taking a more measured approach, here's what Marsh said. He said, fun as hell, but lots of work to do. And he's fun. He is fun to watch. And he, he talks about a quarterback with a, a very unique athletic skill set, which plays perfectly into the hands of Paul Apolis. There's a lot he can do with that. But, again, cites the accuracy issues. Relies on his legs when, when he gets a little bit nervous. Takes off too quickly. Um, a little bit slow to process things sometimes. And if a team can pigeonhole him and force him to beat their defense with his arm... He gets into a little bit of trouble with his with his pre-snap reads. So, to me, there needs to be an evolution period there, like with any young quarterback. And hey, it's his second year in the league, second second stint as a starter, and it's going to be fascinating to see um, how that comes along. And and if if he sort of checks off some of those boxes and shows improvement uh, from the last time he was in there. We do know this. Chris Streveler will be behind center when the 11th week of the CFL season kicks off on Friday night. Winnipeg on the road in Edmonton. We'll see what Streveler is all about with his second opportunity at sustained starts in the CFL. We know Matt Nichols out four to six weeks, if not longer, with an injury he suffered over the weekend. That, uh, that was one of the negative pieces of news in week 10, but... There's a lot of positive pieces of news this past week because it was a high-scoring week in CFL fantasy. So here's the deal. Seven players had more than 28 points in Week 10. Three players had more than 39 points. How about this? Reggie Bagleton, Trevor Harris, and Greg Ellingson had three of the top seven scores all season all in one week, and you're not going to be much better than what we got from Reggie Bagleton. Despite a loss for the Stampeders at home, Bagleton over 170 yards and four touchdowns, good for 49 points. It's going to be tough to beat that from here on out. After throwing just two touchdown passes in his last four starts, Trevor Harris broke out in a big way against the Argos, combined for five touchdowns and totaled 42 fantasy points. Esk's offense went off. Favorite targets, Greg Ellingson had 39 points. Ricky Collins had 21, and Devaris Daniels 20 and a half. The other big games this week, well, Calgary and Montreal, that's where all the points were in the other big game. Wild one at McMahon. Aside from Bagleton, you also had huge games from Vernon Adams at quarterback, Nick Arbuckle at quarterback, and then Eugene Lewis and Devere Posey at receiver for Montreal. And despite all those huge scores, there were a couple of high-price busts this week. Two most expensive players did very little. Brandon Banks, 4.3 points. Andrew Harris, 7.3 points. R.J. Harris totaling four points in his return. You had Mike Riley, Lucky Whitehead, Quan Bray, Eric Rogers, and Brad Sinopoli all in the five to six point range as well in week number 10. It was kind of a boomer bust type of deal, wasn't it? Your guy either went off for 40 or 50 points or, or that guy that you spent half your salary on or a third of your salary on got like seven points. Yeah, that list of guys in the five to six point range was pretty much you reading my roster. So not so a great were, week. So our leader <laughs> this week, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, had about 170 points. Uh, if you add all those top guys in there. And yeah, if you have a team of those underachievers, 
You had a tough time. Uh, Western Willie has fallen. He's led almost all season. I don't know this person personally. I take no joy in this. But uh, it is nice to get some, some new blood at the top. And it's, uh, it's Bayman231. He's at first. Uh, the first one to cross the 1,100-point threshold, led by Trevor Harris. And uh, a pretty strong 112-point week. Nothing crazy like 170 points for him. But uh, the overall winner of Week 10, that was K-Gun with 174.5 points. And uh, this roster actually left a running back spot open but had Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, and the season's top scorer, Reggie Bagleton, checking in uh, on the Podcast League and the three of us. By the way, you can join the Podcast League and uh, compete against me, Pat Steinberg, uh, and Hannah Norbin. Uh, Hannah and Pat are doing well. A lot of you are ahead of me, though, if you you check the standings. Uh, Pat leading the three of us with 931 points, coming off an 88-point week. Uh, Hannah struggling a little bit this week. Had Andrew Harris, took a a pretty hard hit there uh, with 62 points. And uh, I I had 83 points, despite despite loading up on three BC Lions, which didn't quite go my way. But uh, it worked out. Worked out. And all three of us, we're going to go for that 1,000-point mark this week. Let's, let's take it to the Fantasy Flash. The Bombers have announced that Matt Nichols will be sidelined for at least four to six weeks after suffering an upper body injury versus BC. Chris Drebler will start on Friday night versus Edmonton. Outside of Nichols, the Bombers offense could look fairly similar for week 11, particularly at receiver where Darvin Adams remains sidelined at practice. Argos running back James Wilder reportedly returned to practice this week. Wilder was a surprise scratch in week 10. His status for week 11 is uncertain. Also in Toronto, James Franklin is set to take reps in practice this week, but the Argos will ease him back to work after injuring his hamstring in week 3. In Ottawa, you'll want to keep an eye on the running back situation. John Crockett couldn't go in week 10, and there's no word yet on his status for this weekend. And some coaching news this week. The Argos have brought in former CFL pivot Jonathan and Crompton to coach their quarterbacks while the Red Blacks are reportedly considering turning over play calling to Joe Pow Pow. Is it Pow Pow? It is Pow Pow. Good. Joe Pow Pow, the throwing Samoan. Trevor Harris. We got to talk about Trevor Harris. And I, I was wrong on this one. I, I'm eating a little bit of crow here, uh, which I, was one of my least favorite things to do if I had to make a list. Uh, but I thought the Argos defense was going to come out of the bye a lot more prepared to deal with Trevor Harris, and they weren't. A a different-looking Argos defense, and Trevor Harris shredded them. And those receivers, they made some unbelievable catches as well, including a catch of the year from Greg Ellingson. We know that Trevor Harris is hot and cold. Even if you're one of his biggest fans or one of his biggest critics, I, I think that's something we can all agree throughout his career. When Trevor Harris, when he's on his game, when he gets hot, he's pretty unbeatable. He's pretty unstoppable. Is this the start of a hot streak for Trevor Harris? And is that something we should be looking to ride at this time? He's got those receivers there in Edmonton. That offense is moving now. What do we think of Trevor Harris? Well, he's still, this season especially, because of the struggles Mike Riley has had in year one in BC, because Bo Levi Mitchell's barely been on the field, because Jeremiah Mazzoli's done for the year. As much as he's been up and down, there's still not a more consistent quarterback in the CFL than Trevor Harris. He still leads the league in passing yards by a significant margin. That Eskimos passing attack is the most dangerous right now by a significant margin. So 
there's there's no doubt to me who the most consistent quarterback is in the CFL playing today. Problem is the price tag is still very high for Trevor Harris and and that you know when you're talking about a guy coming in over twelve thousand dollars, you're you're going to need to be pretty confident he's going to have one of his good weeks. I mean Mike Riley had off weeks last year when he was the consensus guy as the top quarterback for probably three quarters of the year. And right now, Trevor Harris is the consensus best guy. That's why his salary is so high. But you got to be like, for instance, I don't know if I love the matchup quite as much against Winnipeg. I know the Bombers are most known this season for how good they've been against the run, but I just don't know how high scoring Winnipeg Edmonton's going to be. So I don't know if I'm comfortable plopping down 12,300 for Harris. Whereas last week, you're going up against an Argos defense that is getting torched more often than not through the air. You probably feel a little bit more confident with that. So right now, it all comes down to the salary. I don't think there's a more consistent quarterback in the CFL or in fantasy than Trevor Harris. And as such, you get why he's got such a high salary. Yeah, and his salary went up another $2,000 this week. So that's that's a tough raise to swallow. Um, I'd be more inclined to go with the receivers on this team. Some of the top receivers the Devaris Daniels or a Ricky Collins or a Greg Ellingson. And you kind of have to pick one at this point because they're all getting yeah, up there pricey. in salary. But I, I think that's a safer play than a Trevor Harris right now. And if you do go with Trevor Harris and you want to stack him with one of his receivers, that gets incredibly difficult because now you're talking about uh, committing pretty much half your salary. So it, it's, it is tough to get him into the lineup. I, I do think... Yeah, Winnipeg's been stingy, but if you think that Chris Trevler offense struggles a little bit, you have to like two things. Number one, uh, the Eskimos offense runs a lot of plays. They're near the top of the league in that regard. Uh, And number two, they don't get sacked or turn the ball over. So Trevor Harris is still going to get a lot of opportunities to put the ball in the end zone. In fact, the last time Edmonton played Winnipeg, Harris was able to march the ball up and down the field. They just couldn't get it in the end zone. They just couldn't finish inside the twenty. In between the 20s, they they moved it almost with ease. So I think there's some potential there. And, and again, I, I didn't like Harris last week because I thought the Argos defense was, was rounding into form, which the numbers over their last three games uh, heading into the bye, they were pretty good for the Argos secondary. Trevor Harris, meanwhile, he, he was having trouble with, with getting the ball into the end zone. You're talking about, uh, Pat mentioned it, that two touchdowns in, in, in a run of four games. That's not Trevor Harris-like. But when he's hot... That's what I'm thinking about getting him into my lineup. And right now, this looks like he's about to, he's about to really take off and, and get on a hot streak. I'm, I'm more inclined to call this one a defensive battle, but of course, that could go right out the window. Are you looking at the Esks possibly uh, on defense this week? Because you wrote against turnover-prone Strebler, but I don't know if that's really fair either. He had two, two interceptions in his three starts last season when he was starting the Eskimos aren't a huge scoring defense either right like they they're a really good defense I ended the best most well-rounded defense in the CFL but they don't give you a ton of fantasy points and we're not talking about huge pick six games and seven sack games like they're very much in the middle of the pack when it comes to turnovers when it comes to sacks so the Eskimos not being a huge fantasy scoring defense uh, they I always am shying away from them as good as they've been I don't know how great they are in your fantasy lineup from week to week i mean i say turnover prone because lately he has been turning the football over you're talking about three interceptions on 16 attempts right and you go back to starts last year 
And, yeah, they, they, they did a good job protecting him, and he didn't turn the ball over as often. But this season, uh, when he's been put in situations where he's throwing the football, especially in those games when Nat, Matt Nichols has been injured, um, there have been some mistakes, and there have been some other incompletions that could have been picked off that just went by uh, defenders, deflections, uh, things like that. So I think there's going to be an opportunity for the Eskimos and a veteran defense and a coordinator who's clearly dialed in right now in Philip Lawley to take advantage of an inexperienced quarterback because, yeah, Chris Trevler had some early success in his career, but he's still a very young quarterback by professional football standards. He's 24 and he's a sophomore. He's almost straight out of college still. Game one of a Saturday doubleheader, Ottawa in Saskatchewan, and Ottawa having some difficulty, just seven points for the Red Blacks on offense last week against Hamilton. Are we ready to blame the quarterback for their struggles offensively? I don't know. I mean, remember, they were without John Crockett, and they went with Moses Madu back in the backfield. And look, Jeff, you and I talked about this when you did your radio hit with me late last week. Dominic Davis, those numbers do not look great. When you go take a look at the touchdown-to-interception ratio, and right now the Red Blacks, I think, have got to change their offense a little bit. I think they need to be a little bit more focused in letting Davis be creative with his feet, run the ball a little bit more, and focus on his athleticism as opposed to just sitting back and, and firing the ball. And I'm not even saying that's what they've done, but I do think you have to look when you've got a guy who is struggling in an area, you have to play to his strengths as opposed to try and have him be something that he's not. So I do think Davis and the lack of a bona fide number one quarterback is part of it, but they were also without uh, who's turned into their number one running back. And you know, just as a whole, this Red Blacks team, despite having a surprising start to the season, Ottawa, at least to me, is looking more like the team we thought they were going to be coming into the season. With all those losses, you know, I think a lot of people had the Red Blacks as a team that was going to struggle. After a 2-0 start, Jeff, they've lost six of their last seven, and they've got a tough matchup on the road in Saskatchewan this weekend. Well, I'm with you there on, on Dominique Davis running the ball more. And it was funny, they went to Jonathan Jennings for a brief spell and maybe just to see if he could shake anything up and and maybe to see sometimes a quarterback comes to the sideline and and gets a, a drive or two off just to sort of see the game in a different way and, and refocus and you know you hear the stories about guys quarterbacks and some of them they get rattled and Dominique Davis I've heard I've heard he I've heard he's one of those guys sometimes he gets a little shaken up and uh, and it's hard to recover so maybe that was their approach uh, all game, it didn't work. He finished 20 of 40, completing 50% of his passes uh, against the Ticats defense and, and a veteran coordinator in, in Mark Washington and Orlando Steinauer there. Uh, yeah, that's not easy to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I want to see Davis run around a lot more. And I, I look in history and, and some of the gifted runners and what they've been able to do for their offense is Tracy Ham uh, went over 1,000 yards in 1990. And Elon Green was close to that mark when he was playing with the Eskimos and then again when he was with the Riders. Um, another one was Kerry Joseph. He went over 1,000 uh, with Ottawa, and then uh, he was close to 1,000 when he won the Great Cup in 2013 with the Riders. It's proven it can be effective, and I don't think that Dominique Davis has to be a one-dimensional running-only quarterback. I think he's got the arm to do both because we've seen him fit the ball into tight windows. We've seen him go downfield. He can, he can make all the throws. But if he can use his legs the way I know he can, because I think he's probably the most or one of the most gifted uh, athletically quarterbacks in the CFL, 
I think that's going to make a really big difference for that offense. So I'm really curious to see if Joe Pow Pow does get in there and starts calling plays. I'm really curious to see how that's going to change things there. These two teams met back in week two and they had a combined 85 points. Are we looking at the same kind of track meet? There's a lot of cheap salaries. If you're feeling good about a lot of points going up, you can pretty much load up your roster on these guys because the highest priced receiver is Kyron Moore at 7,200. Do you guys remember the discussion we had going into that game? Going back to what? week? What did I write here? Week two? Was week, it week two. two? No, I don't remember. Pat? Please enlighten me, Jeff. Going into this game, we felt this was going to be by far the lowest scoring game of the year. And I think one of us might have made the Riders defense our lock. I had the Riders defense in my lineup and we were avoiding all the players in this game. And then everybody just went off. Like Cody Fajardo went off because we didn't we didn't know anything about Cody Fajardo. We thought he was going to struggle. Uh, didn't think Dominique Davis was going to do anything against a really good Riders defense. That that game was a shock to all of us. Surprised you guys don't remember. I have the memory of a goldfish, so <laughs> there's that. Can it happen again? I'm not loving the chances because specifically where the Riders have come since that game. I am there a significantly different team in week 11 than they were in week two or week three. Like Cody Fajardo has found his groove as a starter. They've got a really deep group of receivers and, and a one-two punch at receiver that is very, very intriguing. And defensively, they've, they've really found their groove. And I know a lot of people wondered with Chris Jones leaving, was this still going to be a high-end Saskatchewan defense? And, and I think the answer is yes. I, 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 look at, I look at the Riders and I think there, there may not be, I think Edmonton's the best defense in the CFL. And then I think there's a number of really good defenses. I think Hamilton's in there. I think Winnipeg's in there. I think Calgary has put themselves in that conversation. And I think that the Riders are right there with them. So, yeah, I I think the Riders have come a long way. And now I look at them with what I've seen over the last seven or eight weeks from Ottawa and what I've seen over the last seven or eight weeks from Saskatchewan. That meeting the first time, uh, we didn't really know what to expect on either side. Now I know what the Riders are capable of being, and I think we're starting to see, as, as I said earlier, the Red Blacks turn more into the group that we thought they were going to be prior to the season starting. So I'm, I'm less confident that we see a ton of fireworks. I kind of see this one being a pretty lopsided win for the home side. Game two of the doubleheader Saturday. Hamilton is in BC, and this topic is good. It just says, Jeff reacts to being wrong about the BC Lions. Oh, your favorite. This, you guys have this one underlined, highlighted, <laughs> stars around it. I don't always read your prompts word for word. You that's don't. One that's that I... <laughs> true. This is one that you chose to go with. That's yes. what I went for. I was, uh, I was in a foul mood on Thursday night after, after the BC Lions lost to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which Pat and Hannah can attest to because I had several rants. Uh, sure did. them on WhatsApp, and and uh, Pat wanted nothing to do with it. He just <laughs> he he ignored it, and Hannah tried to Hannah tried to keep me entertained, but uh, it was. In fairness, in fairness, I was you know indisposed, um, so there was that. I was doing something on Friday night, if I, uh, Thursday night, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. Thursdays. Thursdays. Friday. Junior and Pat's. One of the hip kids, so he's got to be doing something fun and and uh, and not speaking to us on uh, on the WhatsApp group. But you know what? I, I was surprised. I thought the BC Lions were starting to get it together, and I, I was quite confident with my lineup going into that game, thinking 
Mike Riley getting on the same page. Brian Burnham, uh, who is on pace to lead the CFL in receiving yards, by the way, even on a struggling uh, 1-8 football team. Brian Burnham, not necessarily a bad option there, uh, which, which Han has said in the past as well. Uh, I think you've gone with Burnham quite a few times. But it's not happening. And I don't know what it is, but Deron Carter getting a lot of targets. Burnham getting targets. Uh, Lamar Durant getting targets. I don't know if it's the receivers. I thought the O-line was looking better against Hamilton, not so much against Winnipeg. To me, part of it is receivers don't seem to be getting open. Deron Carter getting targeted downfield a lot, but he's not getting the separation. Brian Burnham, he's a possession receiver anyway, and he'll catch whatever you throw to him. But he's not burning guys. He's not running right by guys. I just don't know if it's a talent thing or a scheme thing, but I feel like I'm... That that defeated me last week. I think I got to stay away. I'm th- I think I'm ready to throw in the towel right now on the BC Lions from a fantasy perspective, and and th- that's probably the wrong approach because you could be missing out on something. But it's tough to have confidence in anyone there right now. I don't know if you're missing out on anything in Week 11 though, because I don't like the matchup. This this Hamilton team deserves a ton of credit for what they've been able to do since Jeremiah Mazzoli went down for the season, and that's not just Dane Evans. Evans deserves plenty of the credit for stepping in, and he's been very passable at quarterback, and I think he's getting better as the weeks go along, but they've got a really well-rounded attack, a deep group of receivers, whether it's Braylon Addison or uh, Brandon Banks or Luke Tasker or whoever you look at. They've had a rotating cast due to injury at running back, yet they've been effective running the ball, and this defense is one of the really good defenses in the CFL. This is just a really well-rounded group right now, and I don't like the matchup for BC. Even though they're at home, I don't like it against Hamilton. So I don't know if you're missing out on anything. So you can at least be confident, I think, in throwing the towel in for a week on this Lions offense. The second half of the season for BC is going to be fascinating because you've got a head coach and a brand-new coaching staff trying to lay the foundation for 2020. You've got Mike Riley trying to gain some chemistry with anybody in that receiving group, especially when it comes to big plays. That that's the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching because I think that the playoff hopes are you want to talk about waving the white white towel I think the playoff hopes are probably uh, th- that ship has probably sailed in BC so now it's all about focusing on 2020 and making it so you have some positive to go into next season with and that's where I think the biggest intrigue is going to be and that's maybe as the second half plays itself out where you can find some fantasy value what about John White that's the only. That's what I'll leave you two with, because still playing against Hamilton, uh, allowing the second highest yards per carry in the CFL, uh, 13 rushing touchdowns, uh, which is also second worst uh, in the league. And John White torched those guys two weeks ago. Is he is he on the table this week? Yeah, as far as you know, who do you have your eye on? At least I had John White there. Um, I still like Brian Burnham, maybe not at his price and not this week. And going forward, still like Lamar Durant, that's not going to change. But John White's still at the top of my list for Lions that I am willing to put in my lineup and feel good about if I like the matchup. He's not in my lineup as it stands right now, but I don't think that's a bad play. I don't know about you guys, but we're about to move on. I know Hannah's about to move on to another running back conversation, but I have not had a week this year where settling on two running backs has been 
more difficult because there's a ton of unknown. We're recording this on Monday night, so we don't know if it's going to be Stanback or Jeremiah Johnson on Sunday against Toronto for Montreal. We we don't know if it's going to be Crockett or Madu against Saskatchewan. So you've got two potential really nice buys in Crockett, who's been injured, and, and Johnson, who ran for over 100 yards against Calgary on Saturday. You've got two potential value picks there that are going to come in at under $6,500 to put in. This is a really tough week. And then you've got the other side of it where a lot of the big-name running backs, Andrew Harris and C.J. Gable specifically, are in a game where we could be seeing a really low-scoring, grind out football game that may not lend itself to huge fantasy points. And then William Powell sitting there at $9,200. As much as I like the matchup against Ottawa, I don't know if I can fit $9,200. And this is the hardest week I can remember for running backs. And Hannah, I know you're moving on to Cameron Marshall. He had himself a great game for Hamilton at $5,500. I'm even having a tough time being able to find another running back to pair with him right now. Well, and even you throw in the Argos running back situation. We'll talk about that later. But you've got some James Wilder drama happening in Toronto. And and you go from James Wilder being like a $9,500 running back to Brandon Burks. And if he's getting uh, half the touches there, he's cheap and under 4 I mean, yeah, I I like William Stanback if he gets back into the lineup because I want to target that running matchup against the CFL's worst run defense in Toronto. But that's a sizable gap in cost between Stanback and Johnson, and that's going to significantly alter uh, the outlook of my lineup. And and Hannah and I were talking about it off mic a little bit. It's just even the difference between Crockett and Madu. Crockett, again, he, he was a he was a guy I really wanted in my lineup last week. I think all three of us had him uh, set in stone, uh, ready to go in the week, and had to end up making major changes because he was unavailable. So this is a really tough week for the running backs. You're right. You're 100% right on that. Yeah, that William Standback Jeremiah Johnson is the biggest wrench in my lineup plans because there's almost $3,000 between them. So if you pick one and it ends up being the other, you pretty much have to blow up your lineup on top of that, it's the last matchup of the week. So you're you're running out of time and options. You really have to be ready once that depth chart comes out. That's a tough one. I had Cameron Marshall in my lineup last week after Crockett went out. 92 yards on 12 carries. So Ticats not running all that much. But do you like the matchup against BC? I know early in the season we were targeting BC uh, and their run defense specifically. Uh, they... They had uh, Andrew Harris contained pretty well last game. So how do you feel about this BC run D at the moment? I still like Cameron Marshall just because of that value. And and even though I think there is a lot to be said about potentially Hamilton using their running game a little more than they have, and I know they've had a ton of injuries, which plays into it, but I really like Cameron Marshall just from a value standpoint. Had himself a really good game. He's probably going to be on top of the depth chart once again. And to be able to get a potential RB1 for $5,500 you like. It's why we liked John Crockett so much going into last week. And if he plays this week, I think there's going to be a lot of people all over that because of his price mixed with the fact that he'll probably be used as an RB1. So definitely Cameron Marshall is right at the top of my list as a running back play for Week 11. He, he presents a lot of value. I mean, the, the fantasy output certainly wasn't what you're looking for from him but the production on the field was good the average was there and if you think that the BC Lions season is starting to slip away and Hamilton wins that game uh, fairly handily you gotta love what Cam Marshall is going to give you so yeah I'm really interested in in Cam Marshall this week too he looks good running the ball uh, looks fresh doesn't isn't beat up 
not like it's week 11 for Cam Marshall, right? He's played two games now. So um, I, I like what I'm seeing with him for sure. Braylon Addison was my highest scoring player in my lineup last week, 19.6 points. He pretty much saved my week. Ten targets, eight catches for Braylon Addison. Seems to have some chemistry with Dane Evans. Is he creeping up on your list of wide receivers? How good do you feel about a Braylon Addison play week to week? Almost a guarantee or not quite at that level? Pretty close. He's turned into one of the more reliable fantasy receivers and Remember, like, it was late last season when Braylon Addison kind of popped onto everybody's radar. I remember we were doing these shows, and we were into the high teens when Addison became a, a real fixture in that Hamilton offense, and obviously he's been a fixture right from the get-go this year. I, I like the fact that Evans has a nice connection with him. He feels comfortable with him. Obviously, Brandon Banks is still the most dangerous overall human being in that offense, but Braylon Addison's a great possession receiver. He's good after the catch. He's good after initial contact, and he's good inside the 20. So he's turned into a guy, especially at his price tag. Like He's in my lineup right now at $6,300. To get what he can get you, to get his floor compared to his ceiling at 6300 I think you have to think about Addison being in your lineup every week. You notice around the league, the most productive receivers right now, their prices are really getting up there. Mm-hmm. The trio in Edmonton, they're, they're high. Reggie Bagleton just shot through the roof. If you, if you wanted to get him cheap, last week was your chance when he was still around that $7,000 mark because he's up there like, like the high-priced wide receiver ones now. Braylon Addison, he's not there yet. You can afford him as a wide receiver too at this point if you're managing your money um, elsewhere in your lineup and going for some sleeper, um, some high-value picks uh, somewhere else down the line. And he's getting the targets of a wide receiver one. Every game but two this season, he's had seven or more targets. He's had nine or more targets in each of the last three weeks. Ten targets in the win over the Ottawa Red Blacks. So... Yeah, Dane Evans really likes him some Braylon Addison. And against the BC defense that's going to give him a lot of opportunities uh, to make some plays, I think he got to take I, – I feel like he's got to be a lock this week. I mean, he's, he's in my lineup right now, that's for sure. Well, you mentioned it's tough getting value. This Montreal-Toronto game, touchdown Atlantic uh, Sunday game – There could be some value there. There were some really high-scoring Alouettes last week. Eugene Lewis, 30 points. Devere Posey, 28 points. Uh, Posey specifically, coming off injury, breaks out, targeted 15 times. Can he keep that up? Is that somebody that you're getting into your lineup this week? Because he is reasonably priced right now under $6,400. I took him last week when... John Crockett got hurt, and I had to change up my lineup a little bit, and I also switched. Uh, I went from John Crockett to, to, uh, to Brandon Burks, and then I made the change the other way, going from Quan Bray to DeVere Posey, and that worked out well for me. I, I thought I was taking a risk. I thought I was going out on a limb, but I really like DeVere Posey, and I always have. He's just been really slow to settle into that Montreal offense this year, plus uh, he's had a couple of injuries. With B.J. Cunningham being out for the year, I think DeVere Posey is the Montreal Alouette's top receiver the rest of the way this season. I I think he's going to be the most consistent option, uh, and he's the biggest game-breaker they've got because he's fast. He was a kick returner in the NFL. I think he was a third-round draft pick uh, at that level, and 
you're talking about a guy that made uh, a very influential play in a great cup. He, he's a veteran. He's a proven winner. And all he does is make plays. So now that he's showing chemistry with Vernon Adams, I think that's going to be a regular connection we're going to see every week. Even though Vernon Adams threw the ball 50 times, I think the fact that he had 15 targets and it was really their first time um, getting extended playing time together, to me, that's a big deal. So It's the fact that he had been out for as long as he had. He'd had the injuries. I guess the, the, only, the only worry I have is, are they going to go to him at that same volume all the time? Because you mentioned, especially when Standback comes back, I feel like, and remember, that was an overtime game too where that played into 50 passes for, for Vernon Adams on top of it. I just worry about how pass-heavy this Alouette's offense is going to be, especially when Standback's back. When you've got a weapon like that, I think it balances things a little bit more. So I don't disagree about your evaluation of Posey as a player or the fact that he's probably the biggest game-breaker on Montreal's receiving core or in Montreal's receiving core. I just don't know how... Right now, he's at a good price, and I definitely was looking and continue I'm looking hard at putting him in my lineup. I just don't know if he is ever going to, just because of the way Montreal's offense is structured, I don't know if he's ever going to start to crest the salary numbers that we see from some of the other top receivers in the CFL. I will say this, though. This matchup is very intriguing, and I think Posey is going to be picked by a lot of people in Week 11 because going up against the Toronto team and knowing that Adams is going to be there at quarterback, there there certainly is some value for him in Week 11. No doubt about that. The Argos, by the way, allowing a league-worst 9.1 yards per attempt. And here's the big one, 15 passes of 30-plus yards, 15 completions of 30-plus. Hannah just made a face. Did I get that wrong? That's the most in the CFL. That's uh, that's a big number, and that tells you there are going to be some big passes to be had uh, against the secondary, and uh, we saw some of them last week at BMO Field. Jeff, can you enlighten us a little bit on this James Wilder Jr. situation? Because there's reports that he didn't want to play on special teams. Uh, it was apparently the team's decision to scratch him before the game in Week 10. Uh, on Monday, he did practice on special teams. What's going on? What's up with James Wilder Jr.? It's complicated. I'm, I'm confused myself, and I've been following uh, TSN's Matt Chinetti on Twitter. Uh, he's had all the updates, and uh, Corey Chamberlain addressed it today. They didn't let James Wilder talk uh, after practice, so Chamberlain was sort of uh, trying to get ahead of the message. A lot of speculation that Wilder pulled himself from that game because he was second on the depth chart and he didn't want to play special teams and not factor into the running game, um, which to me is interesting. We know this is a player uh, that had a contract dispute uh, in his past. Um, not, not to say that he, he's caused issues, but you just wonder what the future holds for a running back that seems to have fallen out of favor in the Argos offense and that seems to be um, better suited to use the speed of Brandon Burks, who's very fast, uh, and Chris Rainey, who is also an exceptional playmaker, out of the backfield. Not power running backs, but guys that can catch the ball really well out of the backfield and you get them a little bit of space and they can make something happen. So to me... I think it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of all this, and I think I think they're trying to trade James Wilder. That to me, that's what's happening here, and it's speculation on my part. We've heard some whispers, but I think the Argos try to move on from that soon. His status for Week 11 might be one of the most interesting ones to watch, especially in the game that we play, because 
if Wilder doesn't go or if Wilder is number two on the depth chart once again, you've got a really good option in Burks at under $4,000. And I think that people will be all over that if indeed Wilder is a little further down the depth chart than you know we're kind of used to. So that's a really fascinating uh, situation to watch in Toronto. Not even just from an intrigue standpoint for the league. I think for fantasy, it's a really interesting situation to watch. So I've got my eyes on that big time. And yeah, I also want to see, because look, James Wilder from a straight talent for talent standpoint is still one of the best players in the CFL. I, I really do believe that. But, you know, you have to have a guy that wants to be with the team that he's playing for and wants to be in the situation that he's in. And, and right now, I think there are some big questions as to whether or not that exists with Wilder. So overall, it is a fascinating situation to keep an eye on. Yeah, $3,700 Brandon Burks would be massively helpful and between Brandon Burks and Chris Rainey they've both had double digit points the past two games for the Argos these guys are getting decent totals even though the Argos haven't scored a rushing touchdown yet this year well that's the thing and at 3700 yeah I can I can swallow that a little bit easier because if he does have a bad week you're not you're not using too much of your salary you're not compromising the rest of your roster but I still don't love the way they're utilizing Burks uh, outside of a couple outside of that game against Winnipeg before the bye. He hasn't been getting a lot of receptions, uh, and really outside of the one uh, touchdown in, in the fourth quarter of that Edmonton game, uh, which was on a very well executed screen pass, something we haven't seen very much this season from a Jock Chaplin offense. If he didn't have that play, you're probably talking about a four or five point game from Brandon Burks. So. The consistency is still not there. And especially with the way he's splitting the backfield with Chris Rainey, who's also handling returns. Uh, Hannah, you mentioned the zero rushing touchdowns this year, which is absurd. Uh, Ottawa, the next closest team, has five. Yeah, zero does seem a little bit out of control. How do you go that long without scoring a rushing touchdown? Can you not just luck into one at a certain point? You would think so. They've thrown more touchdowns from the one-yard line than they've rushed for touchdowns, so. Well, that's the problem then. Uh, James Franklin ready to come off the six-game list. McLeod Bethel-Thompson has held down the starting role in that time. McLeod Bethel-Thompson has been benched and unbenched and almost benched. It's It's been an up-and-down time for opera. him. So has he played well enough to keep that job if Franklin comes back? Because it seems to have just been one big roller coaster. I don't know. I don't know kind of where I was going to go with the I was going to bust one of those out myself but you uh you beat me too. No, go ahead, I re- please. I don't know either. That was good. No, I I'm with you. And you know, it's funny because you can't criticize the guy because the last 2 weeks he's thrown what? Five touchdowns and no interceptions. It's probably enough to keep the starting job for now, but then you say, well, they're one in 7. They're not moving the needle as far as McLeod Bethel Thompson is a long-term answer. So are we going to let our eyes deceive us and say these last two games have, have shown us that McLeod's our guy for the rest of the year? I mean, to me, it's tenuous. It's one game at a time. It's going to be McLeod Bethel Thompson in Week 11 versus Montreal in what is a really, really, really big game for the Argos. And I think at some point, I still believe at some point that when he's healthy, you got to get James Franklin back in there because that's the horse you tied your cart to. That's the guy you traded for and invested your future in 
and you're telling me after two starts this year you've already soured on that you gotta just especially if you fall out of the race and the season's lost then you gotta say okay what can we get out of this for tomorrow that's just it they've got as as much as you can tell me that toronto is fighting for a playoff spot i mean in reality they're chasing calgary right now so that's a four-game gap. Or that's not true. That's not true. I don't agree with that. They're not chasing Calgary because they're two games back. They're three, three games back. They're three of games back of whoever, right? They're either Here's, three games back of Calgary yeah. or three games back of Montreal. Exactly. So okay, so they're chasing. They're chasing a bunch of teams. They're chasing every team but BC right now. But all that that Montreal to me that Montreal game is is that's it. If they lose that. Uh, they're in a hole they're not going to climb out of. If they win that, they're two games out of a playoff spot uh, with a whole bunch of games against the East. Because remember, they just finished a long stretch of games against the West. Hamilton's the only team that they've played from the East Division. So they still do control their own fate. But yeah, to me, uh, you're talking about a four-point game, the traditional four-point game head-to-head with Montreal. Uh, If they lose that, at that point, you start thinking, okay, um, maybe this team is starting to think about next year a little more. That's what it comes down to to me, especially especially if they lose this game against Montreal. I'll give you that. If they if they lose this game to the Alouettes, they're in a situation where I think much like BC's in right now, they got to start laying foundation for 2020 and part of that is determining what quarterback they're going forward with, and I think they stand a much better chance going with James Franklin in that regard than they do with McLeod Bethel Thompson. That's not even a knock on Bethel Thompson. The fact of the matter is He's just far, he's a journeyman, he's a little bit older, and Franklin's the guy, as you said, they hitched their wagon to and they went out and acquired him a couple of years ago. I think they owe it to themselves to see what he is still, and, and part of that would be playing him fairly extensively in the second half of the season. By the way, I left this out of the rundown, but I would be remiss if I did not bring up that Montreal-Calgary game um, for us to quickly talk about. And, Pat, I, I imagine you were there in Calgary, were you not? No, I was at a wedding uh, in B.C., so I was not there. Come on. Football, wedding. He's too popular, Jeff. Doing doing things with your Thursday nights. What a game that was. And Don't we worry, gotta, I have a light. <laughs> we got to talk quickly before Rod Black cuts us off. We got to talk about Vernon Adams Jr. Because... He is making a believer out of me. That was special. I'm telling you, that's that's the best uh, probably 30 to 40 minutes of football uh, I've seen in a very, very long time where I've just been edging my seat. Even the last play of the game, that Eric Rodgers uh, no-catch was so close. I think had they called it the other way on the field, the play would have stood either way. Like Replay was not solving that. You just couldn't tell. You had the deep ball to Quan Bray that went off the, the crossbar. Ding, doing. <laughs> it's just every possible moment was filled with drama. It was incredible. I want to watch that game over and over and over again at my own leisure. Just casually flip on that game and watch it. Not the first three quarters. The part where Reggie Bagleton scores two touchdowns and then... Vernon Adams Jr. has a minute and 40 seconds from his own 14 down two scores. And you're thinking, there is no way Montreal is winning this game. Not the Montreal Alouettes. Not the Montreal Alouettes that I know that haven't had a quarterback since 2013. 
And Vernon Adams Jr. did it. And they all did it as a team. They did it. And you can't even fault Calgary because Nick Arbuckle was great. He was terrific. And Reggie Bagleton was amazing. And I, This wasn't one of those games where a bunch of bad things happened and people screwed things up. This was just – this was good football. Yep. It was a hell of a game. And I give the Alouettes a ton of credit for what they did. And the central figure was Vernon Adams Jr. And, and he – He's made a believer of me gradually and now rapidly as this season's gone along. He, I know that we had some fun with it earlier in the season about the nickname and me not saying it, but the guy makes big plays, and he is an extremely dynamic quarterback. He's at, what, 9,500 for this week? He was very close to being my lock of the week. He's not my lock of the week right now, but he was close because I do like him a lot in this matchup against Toronto. I can't believe you brought that up. Like, you're still angry about it, that we tried to get you to yell big play VA. It's and not you a big still deal. didn't do it. It's not a big deal. Don't think I'm angry about it. I was bringing it up because it was, it was a fun bit from our past. All right. We're reminiscing. That's my rant. Uh, we were under we were under time. I we think were. we're going over now. I, yeah. I might have messed that up. Classic Jeff. That brings us to the three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. Where we make our money picks and our lock of the week, and uh, VA's not your lock, Pat, but he's somebody's. Let's start with money picks first. Pat, who do you have uh, in your money pick slot this week? I still really think Chris Matthews is going to have a breakout game for Winnipeg. And to see him at just over $3,000 and to see him break that 50-plus yard reception against BC last week, it's too tempting not to. And, you know, even if he doesn't have a big game, you're probably okay with a few points regardless of $3,000. So I've got Chris Matthews of the Bombers. He's at 30-37 for Week 11. Durant, no, just kidding. Not going, not going that route again. I've done it enough this year. You have done it although, enough. Although Duran, uh, he came close to double digits last week. He even had a nice throw. Uh, he even had a nice big completion, which I think was longer than any completion Mike Riley made in the game. So uh, I'm going with Rodney Smith, Argos receiver, uh, second year in the league. He's a big man. He's he's six foot five, two hundred thirty five pounds. You don't mess with that guy. Uh, made an unbelievable highlight reel catch last week. But the thing I like about it, he's earning the trust of McLeod Bethel Thompson. Four weeks now he's been in the lineup. Um, they've had some injuries. Levi Noel's out, so he's got a permanent role. And he's been targeted three or more times every single game. Four times against Edmonton, caught all four targets. Uh, seven targets against Winnipeg, caught six of them. I think he'll continue to become a bigger part of the offense as he grows chemistry. And, hey, it's good to have an extra target outside of those big three when you have SJ Green, Darrell Walker, and Armonte Edwards. I picked my money pick once before, and it didn't really work out. But he had a bit of a breakout week last week. Jake Wieneke in in Montreal. If you feel good about this Montreal matchup and you think there's going to be big points on the Alouettes side, he had 16 of them last week, five receptions, a, a season high. He's got four touchdowns on the year. They're looking at him in the end zone. I don't think you can miss with Jake Wieneke under $3,000. Lock of the week, Jeff. Who are you locking in on this wonderful Monday evening? Cody Fajardo. Like the matchup with Ottawa. A little bit of a 180 since the last time these two teams played. When I, when I look at the quarterbacks right now in fantasy, I like the guys that are running around a lot. And you look at Fajardo's rushing attempts. 
He's running it every single game relentlessly, and he's throwing the ball deep. He's among the CFL leaders in yards per attempt at around 9.4 yards per attempt, and he's on the same page with Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore. Both those guys are on pace for over 1,000 yards. I didn't think I would see the day this year that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders would be the second-ranked offense in the CFL. Here we are today. Like that offense, like Cody Fajardo, he's my lock. I'm along the same lines as you. I'm going with one of the receivers you just mentioned. I actually am really considering getting both these guys in my lineup, but I'm going to go with Shaq Evans. I love the price tag, under $6,500. I'm with you. I love the matchup against the Ottawa Red Blacks. This is one of three, uh, three teams allowing more than 300 yards per game through the air. So I think the Riders are going to have a nice game uh, against Saskatchewan through the air. I think Shaq Evans is going to get a ton of targets. So I've got Evans under 6,500 as my lock of the week. Chicardo. I was going to say, Jeff, you almost exploded not yelling Shaq Jardo. It was difficult. I had to hold it in. You let him Profe- say his point before you came out. I have to be a professional on the podcast. I'm trying. Congratulations. Thank you. You're getting there. Uh, Pat, he's not your lock of the week, but he is mine. Vernon Adams Jr. There's nothing that I don't like about him. He didn't miss a beat after missing a week to injury. He threw 50 times. He ran the ball. I think Toronto's still exploitable. I've got a lot of eggs in Montreal's basket this week, uh, but I feel really good about the Vernon Adams play, who's no longer in that super cheap quarterback category of under 7,500. He's up around 9,500, but I'm okay with it. It's probably one of my most expensive quarterback plays this season. Uh, but I, uh, I think Vernon Adams is putting up a big total again this week. We're we're at about the halfway point of the season right now, and Pat, I know you're gonna you're gonna kick me off in a second, but is it fair to say, is this offside to say by the end of the season, Vernon Adams Jr. is going to be the most expensive quarterback in CFL fantasy? If they keep using him like they're using him in the red zone, and he continues being a threat through the air and on the ground, yeah, I could see it. And I think Cody Fajardo's price is going to keep going up too because both guys give you that that dual option. I have a hard time believing he's going to cost more than Trevor Harris at one point, but I think he's going to get close. He'll be up in that over 10,000 range he's soon. He's trending that way. He is. He's at 9,500 right now, so it's not going to be a massive jump for him to be into five digits in the very near future. Uh, okay, Hannah's got a heck of a task to try and get this under an hour, but we'll see if she can do that when it's all said and done. That'll do it for the Week 11 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. And by the way, when this week comes to an end, we're kind of going to be at the unofficial halfway mark of the 2019 season. Stay tuned to CFL.ca. Make sure you check in on all those injury updates. We talked about the running backs, all those guys up in the air uh, for status updates projections, all of those fun lineup tools. Uh, We've got your Fantasy Weekly uh, with a little bit of help from Daily Roto. Also, The Waggle, Davis Sanchez, Donovan Bennett coming at you, cfl.ca slash The Waggle, and lots of fun coverage from Touchdown Atlantic as well. I'm going this week. so You're going? I'm getting my my, uh, first time in Atlantic Canada. Oh, jealous. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have a good time. Uh, make sure you subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on cfl.ca. The CFL Fantasy Podcast is presented by our friends at Leo Vegas. Uh, follow along on Twitter at Fan960Steinberg for me, at HL Nordman for Hannah, and at Jeff Creever 
for Jeff. Enjoy week 11. It starts on Friday night as we've got four more games as we move closer towards the halfway mark of 2019. Good luck. We'll talk to you next week on the week 12 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast.